1: You know, it's been said that success comes to those who wait. Belief started in the fourth grade. I believe that it's earned with the right attitude. And I had this nagging feeling. A great belief system. I was capable of so much more. An action every single day. In all the pursuits that we have in our lives, I think there's an element of suffering. When you mix that in with faith, courage, discipline, and most importantly, a vision. Never give up on yourself. That's when greatness happens. The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today I have a friend. I'm going to call you a friend, Jen. Yeah, is that all right?
0: Absolutely.
1: Jen Satterley. She is a filmmaker. She's a photographer. She's a certified health coach, and she is the co-founder with her husband, Tom Satterley, who uh, some of you have probably heard on the show, but uh, they're the co-founders of All Secure Foundation. Jen, welcome to the t- welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Absolutely. It's going to be fun today. Um, like all shows, Jen, you've probably heard some of ours is just to kind of give a, a lay of the land of what's helped make you the woman you are today and, and fill our listeners on who Jen Satterley is.
0: Oh, gosh. How long do you got? Now? Exactly. <laughs> um, so really, I am a St. Louis girl. I was born and raised in St. Louis just for my St. Louis people. I went to Ursuline Academy and um, graduated from Webster University here, uh, specialized and majored in the creative arts. And uh, got right to work. So worked at some pretty big advertising agencies here in St. Louis, Uh, worked for a boutique shop uh, called Core, and then went on my own. I'm kind of an entrepreneur, have been since I was about 12, trying to sell parties at my house for like the neighborhood kids and (laughs) (laughs) kind of do whatever I could. Um, So I've always had an entrepreneur spirit about me and started my own design and uh, photography studio. Did that for about 13 years and wow. then got hired to start working in the special ops community as the director of film and photography for an elite group that worked with Navy SEALs and Green Berets.
1: And would you say was that kind of the defining moment of where you've taken this next chapter in your life? I mean, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you that, met Tom, you did all that <laughs> stuff. But I mean, I got to think when you're immersed in that crowd, that uh, that the units you were with, the Navy SEALs, the Green Berets, and the stuff that you saw these guys training for, it's got to be a game changer mentally, I would think.
0: It it absolutely pivoted my life. Um, sometimes, and when I think about it, it was pretty scary that transition. Um, I'm always been the person to kind of jump in. I think being in advertising for so long, I was able to embed in my clients' world, no matter what it was. You know, whether it was Miller Brewing Company. Um, my ex-husband and I did all the branding and launched Yearbuds, uh, which is a St. Louis company. And so, um, I was always a chameleon and kind of could jump into other people's worlds and the special operation world. Initially, I didn't really want to be involved in. I thought, I don't know anything about this culture. I, you know, it's very kind of machismo and, and not anything like me, but you know what, I'll go ahead and give it a try. And like my husband says, the greatest failure is the failure to try. So um, I showed up and was absolutely blown away. At First, it was very Hollywood type of experience for me. I mean, I'd never been exposed to Blackhawks hovering over my head with 12 guys fast roping out and you know, in the middle of the night in some field or taking down a massive building in mm-hmm. Charleston, abandoned buildings. And, you know, there might be a hundred role players from that country dressed in those, uh, dressed in the clothes they would wear, speaking the language they would speak. Um, it was highly immersive. They really wow. wanted it to be as realistic as the deployment, they're getting ready to do. So the yep. last touch point they would have would be us sort of practicing that mission.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I'm just sitting here thinking about <laughs> doing it. That. That's uh, that's got to be intense.
0: Yeah, it was funny. I'd come home with, like, black eyes or, <laughs> you know, I'm burn saying, marks and things like they're that. They're not and supposed
1: to beat the crap out of me. Yeah,
0: yeah, my friends were like, what are you doing again and why? And um, it went from, like, you know, I wanted to be a National Geographic photographer. Huh. And, like, what better experience than traveling around the country, getting to see our most elite military units um, do their stuff. And really, it was quite remarkable. Um, And then I think like a year in, it started to shift for me when I started seeing uh, these people as husbands, as fathers, somebody's brother and son. And when they started not coming back and I started getting more familiar with the teams, that's when it really shifted for me from this cool guy experience to this is super serious. This is real deal. Yeah. yeah.
1: So I know talking to Tom, uh, he obviously thinks the world of you, and um, but I think that for what you do, I mean, for the for our listeners that may not know, you're helping warriors that have post traumatic stress. They have um, severe depression. They have anger issues. They have you know addiction issues. I mean, those things are real, right? And oh, so yeah. I mean, so all Secure Foundation, the the foundation you guys started. Tell us what are you doing, who are you helping, how are you helping, and what role can we play?
0: Sure. So All Secure Foundation was sort of born out of my own experience with Tom. So when I met Tom, he was at the bottom of the barrel. He was drinking heavily to self-medicate. 85% of of warriors who have severe post-traumatic stress self-medicate with either pills or alcohol. Um, Or heavy drugs. We've run into a lot of uh, more opioid Use uh, is more prevalent now as well.
1: And if I can interrupt, Tom, yes. her husband is what I would call the American badass. I mean, <laughs> that guy has been through a lot, right? The Black Hawk oh, yeah. Down movie—I mean, all that stuff—and then you know other things you probably can't talk about. Um, but just to get a lay of the land, so when she says her husband Tom, if you haven't heard the podcast, one, listen to it. But number two, just so you know who it is and what we're dealing with here, this guy was a true American hero.
0: Yeah, he—he so. he absolutely. Uh, was, is, will always be, I think, his work that he did in Delta Force. He was in Delta Force for 20 years, uh, was involved in some of the nation's most important military campaigns, like you said, most of them I can't talk about. Some of them I don't even know about. Um, But again, he was involved in Black Hawk Down as a Delta Force operator. He was one of the men to run the Mogadishu Mile. But I truly believe his mission now is just as critical in, in really helping our warriors come home. And that's really where this was all born out of. So Tom's transition was very tough. He nearly committed suicide. Uh, He made that decision not to. And I really call that his courage to continue because it's not tough to decide to stay and fight another day. But he did. He was able to I think a part you're probably not
1: talking about there, though, is who is maybe a special someone that called (laughs) him uh, with the gun on his lap.
0: Yeah. Right? And he shared
1: that story. And so... Uh, that person was
0: me. Was yeah, you
1: right? I did. And calling to check on him, see what's going on, right. and it, it interrupts the suicide. Right? And I think it did. you look at those little defining moments in our life, and you think, man, what if I don't make that call? And you see those right. posts right now on social media, right? Like somebody needs help. Here's a number, and it's just so mm-hmm. simple, but yet so hard to do. Check right? on your and, strong
0: friend. Yeah. And Tom had the appearance of being a very strong person, <laughs> very self confident, charming, funny. Um, I absolutely had no idea. Um, I, you know, I, some inkling, of course, Um, you could see it in their eyes, really, um, the weight that they're carrying with them. But he did a pretty good job of hiding it from me. So I didn't even find out about his suicide attempt until we were dating for six months or so. Um, And then really working in the community, all of the information I was gathering and all the things that I was trying with Tom I would start talking about it with whoever we were doing a mission with and kind of became this den mother. You know, there's 80 guys and then me, you yeah. know. And I I speak about warriors as men a lot, and it's not to be sexist or generalist or anything. There's a lot of women. I've met some phenomenal military um, women who have done some incredibly brave and heroic things as well. Um, the community I worked at at the time was 99.9%. Yeah men. So um, when I say spouses and I refer to them as women, it's just my experience um, with that. But so I don't mean to minimize any group there, but the guys I was with um, started sharing pictures of their kids and started opening up more and more. And I started seeing this pattern of isolation, the secrecy and embarrassment of post-traumatic stress. Um, Literally had a SEAL commander call me one time and said, oh, I've got some health Questions and I said, "Oh, sure." You know, um, they knew I was going to health coaching school, and so I had worked with him on a couple of missions. And I was done with that work, but he had said, "Hey, can I call you and talk to you?" And it soon became, "I've got all these anger issues. I lash out at my wife and kids. I don't know why." Um, and I said, "Well, how do you talk about this with your troops, with your your men at work?" And we we don't talk about that. And mm-hmm. I said, "Well, you're the commander, and if you're not talking about it, nobody's talking about it." So. Thomas really started working within the units and starting to speak out about some of the issues. Um, But All Secure Foundation really was born from, let's share this information that I have learned on on what can help with the anger, with the depression, with the suicidal thoughts, with the broken marriages, the families that can't reintegrate. And so if you go online to our website, there's a lot of resources that we've already vetted out, um, facilities, individuals, different groups. And uh, 2019, we're going to start doing retreats. Actually, the first two are here in St. Louis.
1: Oh, nice.
0: Yeah, and so um, those are going to be work, though. I mean, people think of retreats as, you know, hey, let's go somewhere fun or let's yeah. send a veteran. to the corner to- saying kumbaya. And- <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, we're going to put you to work because habit change only comes from action items. Yeah. So,
1: And something you said earlier made me think about vulnerability and transparency. I mean, I think especially as you, you spoke about the men, I mean, the, that's not a normal Thing I don't think for men to be vulnerable and transparent, but I no. find the more vulnerable and transparent we can be, the better we can cross the finish line or have a better relationship or whatever it may be. But it's tough yeah. to do. Right. So what advice would you have for our listeners, uh, you know, from the boardroom to the war room whatever mm-hmm. it may be uh, to help them share more and be more transparent, be more vulnerable?
0: I think uh, Brene Brown, who I'm a massive fan of hers, and I actually study her work a lot because it pertains so closely to every individual. I love her. But I think especially in this military group of talking about vulnerability, talking about guilt, talking about shame. And one thing she said really struck me, which is men equate vulnerability as a weakness, as sharing it. And that's the number one thing for them is to... Um, fear weakness or being perceived as weak. So when you look at a military culture, that obviously is not going to fly. When you look at corporate boardrooms, that's not going to fly. So I think the first um, thing I would say about vulnerability is to not see it as a weakness, but as a strength, to not think of it as um, anything other than a courageous act. When you open up and you share um, your experiences, when you can uh, be honest about them, like Tom has done, um, and as a CSM of Delta Force, he gets their attention. People will listen. And every single time time, every time Tom is on a podcast or he's on an interview and he shares a story and he opens up about his dark times and his perceived weakness, which actually is a strength, we get hundreds of calls and, and messages saying, I feel the same way. Thank you for speaking up. So I think that pertains to anywhere, the boardroom or the room.
1: Thanks for listening to the Circuit of Success. I am your host, Brett Gilliland. Every single week we get to come to you, and it's just our honor to get to bring you great guests, uh, great information to help you live the best life that you possibly want to live. Whatever it may be, if you want to live the dream or work the dream, whatever it may be, we're just thankful that you tune in every single week on the Big 550 KTRS. Welcome back to the Circuit of Success. I'm Brett Gillaway and your host. Let's dive back into this week's guest. So how do we help uh, people find their purpose? I mean, I know it's something that you do right now. And so again, boardroom, war room, keep saying it through this whole podcast, but what's the process like for somebody to find their purpose? And, and let me back up a little bit because people listening to this are probably already successful, right? They've, right, they've sure. got a good job, they're doing things, but I think so many of us can get caught up in the just the day to day mundane that mm-hmm. until you find your true purpose, uh, that's when greatness can happen in your life, right? So, how do we do that?
0: Well, I agree. I had a successful career in film and photography. I was shooting in LA and New York, and there was no reason for me to be dissatisfied with where I was at, but I was because oh. I just didn't feel like I was living my true purpose. And so that period of transitioning into starting and in, um, really running a nonprofit, yeah. which if you said five years ago I would be doing a special operations nonprofit, I would have looked at you like you were crazy. Right. But I I knew a, I had a call to do service in some capacity. That's why I volunteered all across town. and was always working with other nonprofits. Felt good doing it. Loved it. Just didn't find my um, group, my, my people, I guess, yeah. and. So transitioning from a 15-year career that was successful, leaving all of that behind, going back to school, getting certified in health coaching um, so that I could pertain the knowledge of, you know, biological responses with post-traumatic stress. That's why I went. Um, it was scary. It was challenging. Our, my family had to agree to it. It was me quitting a, a really good, well-paying job and so you're stepping out yeah. into the unknown. And I am so glad I did because I work – I don't know, 60 hours a week, maybe more every Saturday, Sunday. And it's not work to me. It's never worked to me. It's truly my passion. I I believe it's my calling. And I would just say to the people who wake up um, on a Monday morning and they're mad that it's Monday, probably need to look for something else. I I don't hate Sundays. (laughs) There was a time in my life where I did. Um, My parents never liked a Sunday. They started getting crabby at about two o'clock in the afternoon. And I was like, I can't live like that. I don't want to live for weekends. Weekends are short, you know, the week is long. So, you know, if you're in a successful place and you're kind of happy there, but not quite satisfied, I think one of the greatest things you could do is find a way to give back into something that might be your passion. Maybe you're really great at music. You might be a stockbroker, but can play seven different instruments and you could go teach children, um, in economically challenged neighborhoods, how to play, or you can, you know, Hey, you're really great at, um, building and carpentry work. And maybe you go and get a team to do habitat for humanity. I think purpose comes from a lot of us feeling fulfilled and you might not get that at your day job and that's okay too. We all can't start over, but.
1: Yeah. I think that's a good point too, is it doesn't mean you gotta leave your job. It just means that you, you can find, which leads to my next question is how do we, how we bust through our comfort zone? I mean, these last few weeks, people have probably heard me talking about these, this, this because it's something for me that, I don't know, I'm passionate about trying to find that extra layer, right? I think the more times right. we go to the edge of our comfort zone and then we go right back to what's comfortable in the middle oh, yeah. and we build a callus, right? Yep. And I have a drawing for that, a little diagram that, that I show. And so uh, how, how do we bust through that or get around that callus to where we can bust through the comfort zone?
0: Oh, the comfort zone. It's such the safe place. The CZ, and, the comfort zone. Yeah. And I've um, I'm guilty of hanging out there probably a little bit too long. I had a successful career and from the outside, like who wouldn't want to go and travel to LA and get to do some fun right. stuff like that? But it was comfortable for me. And I don't do very well in comfort. I like change. I like pushing myself. And so I think for most people, um, and, and this is a really interesting thing about working with the military, too, is they learn how to make calculated risks. And so um, a lot of it is risk assessment. I learned a lot about that working with them. Is right. is this a good choice or not? Is this going to cause me a life or we're going to lose a team member? There's, there's so much um, sort of calculations that go into decisions. And so I think it trips up a lot of guys when they come out is they almost uh, – the military so comfortable to them and they really were raised in that environment from a young age, 18, 19 years old. Um, some guys getting out in their 40s. You think about it, that's that's a lifetime. That's right? yeah. all you know. That's comfort. So to do something completely outside of that comfort zone, I think people a lot of times look for permission, you know, and, they, and they'll start calling friends or family members and saying, hey, you know... Um, I want to be a music producer. Well, you were a sniper before. Like, (laughs) what? Or, hey, another guy called me and he said, I really want to do um, design and I'm really good at art, but I don't know how, like, my ranger buddies are going to feel about me being an artist. And I'm (laughs) like, stop seeking approval. You know, stop seeking approval. Your parents and your friends might tell you you're crazy because they want that security and safety for you as well. They want you to stay in that comfort zone because – you know, they probably stayed in their comfort zone as well. And yeah. misery loves company. So I would say the only approval you need to seek is your own. Yeah, And you can do that risk assessment on your own. And it really just kind of takes the guts to just put one baby step in front of the other. I think people think is jumping out of that comfort zone is jumping off a cliff. And we see these illustrations of the person, you know, jumping off to fly. And that's all well and good, but you need a plan. Right. You need a strategy for it. And when you do have a plan and strategy for it, you've minimized the risk. And it's easier kind of to step out of it, but you still have to take action. You still have to take steps. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And I think all those are well said. I mean, you got to have a plan. And so that, you know, that circuit of success, we talk about action, right? Mm, That's the bottom right circuit is you can have a great plan. You can have everything, but if you don't take action, it doesn't matter. Right. Right. And so, um, yeah, so that's a big deal. So let's, let's talk about that for a second. We'll go around the circuits. Uh, of success. So let's talk about attitude. When you hear the word attitude, what comes to mind?
0: Well, I'm a mom. So the first thing I hear attitude is, especially I have a 12, almost a 12 year old and 14 year old is check your attitude or you better watch your attitude. But really, um, more from a professional place, attitude to me is your reaction or your response to a situation. Or maybe even how you approach the situation. You can have a good attitude, which is positive and forward thinking. You can have a bad attitude, which is negative and problem thinking. And I love Einstein's quote. Um, It's one that I think of often, which is a negative person has a problem for every solution.
1: That's exactly right.
0: And I think that really defines attitude. I mean, I worked in advertising. It would be a Friday afternoon. We're supposed to have a client come in the next Friday And, hey, the meeting got moved up to Wednesday. If I'm a negative person or I've got a bad attitude, I'm going to walk around the office and complain that I have to give up my weekend. I'm probably going to, you know, make the entire office toxic with me complaining, looking for more problems in it. You know, we're probably going to lose the account. Oh, I was going to have a photo shoot on Monday. It's too late now. There's a problem. And a good attitude or somebody who has a positive attitude is going to problem solve. And they're going to say, all right, you know what, this stinks, but this is a chance for us to blow them away, that they were able to move this up and I was able to knock it out of the park. I'm going to move the photo shoot to Saturday. I'm going to bring donuts and pizzas in for everybody, maybe a beer on the way out the door on Saturday night, and we're going to get it done. I'll bring team members in from other teams because this benefits the agency as a whole. And they get to work, and they're positive about it, and they're they're solving those problems. To me, that's what attitude is. It's a choice.
1: It is a choice, and that's why I say every day we get a choice. We can have a good attitude, we can have a bad attitude, but a hundred percent is a choice. And uh, because not every day we want to get up and rock it out (laughs) and blow through our comfort zone, right? Some days you're like, screw it, I'm fine with sitting right (laughs) here, right? But. Those days are the ones you got to put one foot in front of the other. And then, yeah. hey, look what happens You have a great day. So um, so anyway, we wake up. We have a great attitude. But then this thing called rejection uh, mm. comes up, right? And So yeah. we have to deal with rejection. And so what I believe is that next circuit is your belief system, right? That belief is going to help you get over the rejection to keep that same great attitude. So what are some of the things that Jen Satterley believes to her core have made you successful over your lifetime?
0: Well, I think uh, one of the things is fake it till you make it. And I I was taught that early on by some very successful people in the field who I looked up to as gods who just seemed very confident, successful, and, you know, they just had it together. And I asked one time, I'm 22, 23 years old, well, like, what do I do to be like you? Fake it till you make it. That's what he said to me. Just, you've got to walk in like you know your stuff, but to know your stuff. actually don't learn how to cut corners, learn all the information. And then if there's a corner to cut, you can learn it. So I really sort of embodied that like, okay, I'm going to do my research. I'm going to do the work. And then I truly do feel confident in being able to sell it. I was rejected constantly. I worked in advertising. So I never took it personally. I always listened to the client. They know their product better than I did. And um, there were times we would kind of argue something out and feel our way through it, but my core belief was, I know what I'm doing because I've done my homework. Yep. I can show up to this meeting with confidence because I've put in the work. Yep. So.
1: So now we have our belief system, and then then you really just got to have some faith. Right? right. That's that other kind of fence that we're we're trying to fence in success here, and so the other fence post is you got to have faith because hey, I can fake it till I make it. I can have a great plan. Um, but you do just have to have blind faith, right? And so then it leads to action. And we spoke a little bit of that earlier, but what are some of those things that either yourself, these Navy SEALs, these green berets, the Tom Saddleys of the world, what are you finding that they take action on every day Mm. and they don't miss?
0: That's a good question because, um, you know, really when I started studying habit change, knowledge is only part of the equation and awareness is part of the equation. And the other half is action, is putting those pieces into place. And I definitely saw that embodied in the military. So Mm -hmm. it'd be dissemination of information and then action that follows it. And it was um, very methodical. Um, So there was always a plan. There was always um, a way to handle or manage a situation and then four or five scenarios to handle that when that doesn't go well. And so I think that um, (coughs) is something that um, is very important with action is to understand that there's probably going to be plan Plan B might come into place or C or D and that's okay. Yeah. You have to be able to adjust and shift, I think. I right. think that's that's important. I've had to do that in meetings with a client who completely threw us off and went completely to right field and we're all over here and left. Action is saying instead of freezing is, you know, part admitting you don't know what you don't know. Right. Um, you know, you don't fake it till you lie. You fake it till, okay, this is out of my zone. Let's talk about it and yeah. let's start working our way over to left field. Yeah.
1: I, I, I call it the bounce back theory too, is that action part of that is we, we have to take action, yes, but the most successful people that I've been around and, and get the pleasure to interview and have on these shows and, and, and clients and different things is they bounce back quicker from rejection than anybody else for right. sure. So if we want to sit and dwell on it and all that stuff, that's fine. So if you get the bad news or you get the whatever, mm-hmm. well, that action is, okay, fine, great. Let me pull up my pants right. and uh, pull up my big boy pants and move on to the next thing. Yep. And But you got to take action quickly,
0: right? I agree. I think that bounce back and and you could even see it, especially in my advertising career, is if you said, well, we're just going to get back to you in a week or, you know, it, you lose confidence, right? right? So that client wants to know, okay, let's sit here right now, what's going on? What did you not like about the presentation? Why didn't it speak to you? How do we miss the mark? We're on it today, we're on it tonight, we're gonna have something back for you tomorrow. You know, you move quickly like you said, it's not, I, I never took it personally, maybe early on um, I did, but you learn that rejection really is just a checkpoint for you, okay, this isn't the right direction, let's shift. Yep. And so you just keep moving. Just being okay Don't take with the personally. shift, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: This is Brett Gilliland with Circuit of Success. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Circuit of Success. I'm Brett Gilliland, your host. Let's dive back into this week's guest. So then, we take the action, which takes courage and discipline and perseverance mm-hmm. every day to do it, because again, it's not easy. Not every day do we want to get up no. and, and take that risk, but that ultimately gets you the results in your life. And so. You know, we've talked a lot about the results in your life, and that's that fourth circuit is you have to have results. I always compare it to being a Cardinal baseball player is you can have a great attitude, a great belief system. You can take action, but if you're getting your butt beat all day long, you're not getting the results, right? right? And so, But when you start to get results in our lives, that creates a new vision, and then that new vision goes right back to the attitude, right? It does. So uh, I think is when you look at that circuit as a whole, it's just very important to understand all that is a new vision because of the things that you're probably doing today. Like you said, you wouldn't have dreamt of doing this five years ago. Right, absolutely. So how do you think people, how can you find that new vision and continue to challenge yourself and grow? What steps do you think people can take to do that?
0: I think it's identifying at the core of who you are, what abilities do you have to share with the world, what passions align with them, and then what action steps can you put into place to make that vision happen? And sometimes it takes time. I think people get very impatient, especially the younger generation. They want a right. quick fix. They want to know what's going on now. And um, there's a motivational speaker, Gary Vee, who had a $300 oh, yeah. million dollar, you know, wine business. Who I'm i read his book, Crushing
1: It Right Now. Oh, yeah, Crushing yeah. It. Yeah. I,
0: what I love about him, especially when he's dealing with these millennials, they're like, I don't have it figured out. And I don't know. He's like, you're 25. Yeah. Right. You know, go work six different jobs for the next nine years and then you're in your 30s and you can decide what to do. Then talk to me about it. Then talk to me about you don't know where your life's going. You're 22. Exactly. So I think it depends on where you are in life, you know, your place in life. Me starting over at 40 is a lot different than coming out of college at 22 and, and making those decisions. I had my parents to fall back on, you know. I was lucky and blessed enough to have parents that said, OK, you can stay here while you look for this right. dream job in advertising and, um, you know, really supported that kind of goal. But different places in life are going to kind of cause you to take maybe different action steps. Yep. But if you're passionate about something, it's in the core of what you love, you'll find a way. Yep. You just have to put it into place and, and kind of make that road map.
1: So how do we mentally prepare for the big moment? I mean again, you're working with the military's finest, the 1% of the mm-hmm. 1%, and they're getting ready to go into a job that quite frankly, I don't I don't think I could go do, right? I'm not mentally no, there me to go do that <laughs> stuff. But so take that big moment or you take the the boardroom big moment, the big presentation, whatever it may be, how do we get mentally ready for the big moment?
0: I think that depends on your personality and um, I think that should be sort of something that you work on to develop over time. And, you know, I would see some of the guys, um, and I've asked Tom about this, You, how did you go out of that gate? How did you leave that gate in Iraq and Afghanistan and all over the world, 63 countries he's served in? And how were you able to really go from a place of, um, you just lost a few guys the night before, and... Um, you know, Tom has lost many friends and has watched them die and sometimes comfort them in their last moments. And then the very next day it was his job to go out that same gate. And I asked him, how did you mentally prepare? You know, how did you get ready to, to do that job? Because I'm the same as you. There's no way I'd be crying, holding onto the seat. Like you you couldn't get me out that gate. I'm not
1: going, I'm not
0: going out. I quit. I want to go home, you know, um, but he, you know, for him, what he would do was he said, I would just say my little prayer and it was never for him. It was, please let me bring my men back home safe. Please let me make a decision so that I can bring them back to the other side of the gate alive and well and home to their families. And then he said, then it was work. It was plan A, B, and C. This is where we need to go. My men need to be here. You know, he led a 10,000 person task force in Iraq and so many moving pieces, so many moving parts. Um, So for him, he had to have that mental clarity and focus. Um, And it was very internal for him. I was with, you know, sometimes we would be in big advertising group. We're going to pitch a huge thing to Miller Brewing Company or something. And for us, it was blaring music and having fun and cracking jokes and just calming us down and getting us to a good, happy, confident place before we walked in the room. Every person has their own process to sort of kind of, get in that mind space. And if it's not working for you, find a new one.
1: (laughs) So what planning techniques would you say you could share with our listeners to help us plan for greatness? Cause you said earlier that you got to have a plan, right? And and I'm a big journal person. I I love love writing down and you can see my black binders over there. Those are over the years (laughs) of just journals full of ideas and business plans. And, all the stuff. And so that's my way, but what other ways maybe besides that, or maybe it is just that, that we have to to use for planning for greatness?
0: I love journaling. Actually, I am getting ready to launch a six week program. Um, It's geared towards special operations warriors and their families, but really anybody could take it. And it's um, kind of health and wellness based, but it's a mind and body sort of reset. And some of the things And it really is to help kind of redefine purpose as well because when you get your body and your mind clean and clear thinking, you'd be amazed at some of the things that kind of come up that you wouldn't have thought about before. Um, Part of that process is nightly journaling. Uh, Part of it is morning gratitude. So thinking of five things right when you wake up that you're grateful for, that you're happy to have in your life. Uh, So you start your day off with a positive attitude. Um, uh, Really, one of the things I think, it's tremendous help is meditation. It really helps focus. Um, you know, I was reading something with Martin Scorsese talking about when he did transcendental meditation, he's done all of these mobster movies his whole life. The next movie he does after he does meditations, Hugo. So hmm. think about that shift. Yeah. It really does, um, create more creativity, uh, clearer thinking. It pulls down all of your adrenaline cortisol levels, which helps you, think more clearly. so we have meditation, we have journaling, we have eating healthy, we have um, kind of getting that body and mind space correct. And once you get to that place, it, it things sort out, they really do. I've been yeah. amazed at some of the things that some of the guys have come up with, you know, from one guy who had no experience working with dogs, now has a very successful kennel and does service dog work. Um, another guy is a stockbroker who was um, over in Somalia with Tom setting up medical tents before he was there. He's a very successful uh, Montana business person. So a lot of that comes when they get out and they're actually prepared with a plan. That's what we see with transitioning veterans. They say, I'm going to get out, I'm going to take a few months off, and then what? Yep. Um, and there's the pause. I
1: you guess I'll go quicker, right?
0: into contracting. So now I start working with Guys, when they're still in, okay, you're getting out next August. Let's start thinking about what pieces you can put into place, so then next September you're good to go. right, rock. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, so earlier you talked about the foundation, and we didn't. I guess I didn't follow up with this. But how can people help? So again, all secure foundation. Besides giving money, which obviously you'll take,
0: we <laughs> will take money. You'll take
1: money. Nobody turn. <laughs> we don't turn checks away. We don't away turn that away either. Uh, but how can we help besides just write a check?
0: I get asked that question all the time. You know, people do have a big heart for veterans and and they should. I mean, we have the many freedoms that we have in this country because somebody's doing that tough job that most of us don't want to do. I know I am more grateful for my freedoms now than I've ever been in my life. I don't think from a civilian standpoint, I can only speak for my own experience. I didn't think about the guys going overseas. I didn't think about what they had to deal with or see or experience. I didn't think about their wives or husbands at home Mm. with kids who might not see their dad for 18 months or their mom for 18 months. I certainly do now. And it doesn't matter what political side of the fence you're on. It doesn't matter if you generally support uh, military or not. You should always support our veterans. They are volunteering to keep us safe. And if they weren't around, uh, America definitely wouldn't be the place it is right now, no matter what. That's, That's just right. without a doubt. So when people hear stories, they, they might be from every walk of life and they'll say, well, how do I give back? What can I do? I think There are many things you can do. Um, Obviously, you can support financially. There's so many amazing foundations across the country doing very important work. You can, if you have an organization or a nonprofit, put some veterans to work. I mean, it's one of the things that has been the most healing aspect is when veterans don't stop giving back. So one of our hashtags Mm -hmm. is never stop serving. And we have created a volunteer program that we're putting into place in 2019 where we put veterans um, and link them up with other nonprofit groups. So like I said, if if we've got a guy over here who's really good with carpentry work, he's good at working with his hands, maybe go build a house with a uh, Habitat for Humanity. Or somebody has a gift with music um, and, and wants to do music therapy. I know there's a guy in California who's going back to school to actually work with um, economically challenged children and, and teaching them music. And mm. so a lot of veterans want to give back and they don't know necessarily how or where they fit in. So you can always reach out and say, Hey, we, we actually need your help. They still want to know that they're valued and that they're helping Americans and that they can still serve this country in a different capacity. I think that's very important.
1: And I think too, I mean, nobody knows it better than them on they're serving the greater good uh, for a huge cause. Right. Right. I mean, it's, it's for us, right? right? I mean, for all these other humans that they don't even know they're fighting for our freedom and so, yeah, I could see where making an impact would still be pretty impactful for them. So,
0: Absolutely. That's
1: awesome. We're going to put that in the show notes and share. You could go back 10 or 15 years and give Jen sadly some advice. What advice would you give that young lady?
0: Wow. Um, I actually was thinking about this the other day because a picture came up of me at 20 years old on Facebook and one of those memories. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I thought, gosh, if I could tell her this and that and coming up with all the things that I wish I could have told right. me back then. I then decided I would keep my mouth shut because <laughs> I've made some bad choices. I've made some good choices, but all of them have led me here. Yep. So, if anything, I might have told me to relax a little bit. It'd be okay.
1: Chill out. It's Chill be out. Fine.
0: It's gonna be fine. Breathe. Breathe. It's all right. But even taking back some mistakes I made, or you know directions and paths i would have taken i can't change any of them yep. now because want to be here so that's right
1: that's awesome um so where can we find more of jen sadly social media yeah. website
0: yeah so we have all uh, org is our website .org. we're on facebook yep. as well uh twitter and instagram so all, all, of, all them. of them the i come from a marketing yeah. background uh, Tom and I speak across the country all the time, so um, we will have a tab going up where we are doing public speaking events. Uh, nice. We do a, starting adding a lot more corporate events. Tom's yep. headed out to work with the uh, Red Red Bull VP and doing some leadership work, which is nice. obviously kind of closed-door stuff. But we, we do a lot of public events, and we will be having fundraisers and some events here in St. Louis, so... Awesome. You'll definitely well. We're going to create
1: us. something fun. You yeah. guys and us. We're going to do something. That thing we were talking about before yeah. we started recording. We're going to do something Absolutely. and uh, help our our veterans and the business world all come together. And uh, we're going to have a, a good old deal. So looking forward to that. Well, Jen, it's been awesome having you Thank on the show. You. Appreciate Thank you, so you much. Uh, coming to the office and recording today. And uh, thanks for being here.
0: Absolutely. Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening to the Circuit of Success. I am your host, Brett Gilliland, and each and every single week, we're going to bring you a great guest, whether that's a, a business leader, a professional sports star, an author, whatever it is, we're going to bring you as much as we possibly can to help you live your best life. We get to dive into the roads that these people travel, the, uh, the successes, the struggles, the fears that they've put in their own minds, and do what they've done to become successful. And so we look forward to bringing that to you every single week. If you want more on our firm, Visionary Wealth Advisors, check us out online at visionarywealthadvisors.com. You can also find the show's website at circuitofsuccess.com. We'll be back next week with another great guest on the Circuit of Success.
0: This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.